Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Well, good morning, church family. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Thank you, Jeremy, for leading us in worship and tech team back there for making it happen. Uh, we want to remember our ladies as they travel back from... Uh, the Women of Joy meeting, and I've heard it was really good. I heard Toby Mack uh, had a pretty awesome concert last night, so I'm sure they've got good reports coming. Uh, well, this morning we are continuing our, our series in Wisdom for the Family. Last week, Rance kicked us off. We looked at this wisdom in singleness, how, how God has given this season of singleness as a holy time for us with Him. Today we are continuing kind of this idea of singleness, but more of a focus on preparing for marriage, specifically for the ladies out there. How can, how can you be a good helpmate in marriage? I have to admit, I feel much more qualified to preach this sermon after the past month. Uh, we welcomed our, our first child, a baby girl, baby Jane, into the world a month ago, and uh, whew, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, but let me just take the time this morning to just say thank you, church family. It is such a joy to get to share these big life experiences, these big moments with a family of brothers and sisters who love Jesus. We have experienced grace and love. We've seen the Father's character so much, so often, through the way that you have loved and cared for us in this time. So thank you for that. And uh, man, what a blessing to, to be a part of a, a church that is intent on loving God and loving others. Well, as I thought about this sermon this morning, I, I've tried to picture our daughter at 18. That's pretty hard for me to do because it's really hard to picture, you know, a, a month old at 18 years old. But I hear that it goes by like the blink of an eye. So that's where my mind has been in this sermon prep process. I, I've pictured her entering adulthood Maybe going off to college or entering the workforce, possibly moving away. And I've asked myself, what would I want her to know? When that time comes, what do I hope that she understands about our father? What kind of woman do I hope that she becomes when it's time for her to leave our home? So consider this an open letter to my daughter. But it's more than that. See, this topic, it touches women in any season that you're in. If you are single, if you are dating, if you're married, if you're aspiring to date or to marry, like all of, all of those seasons of life can be informed by our text this morning. And guys, don't check out. Because this same text has a lot to say to you as well. You're called to lead your family well, to do that, you need to know the roles that God has given both husband and wife. For you men that are, are seeking to date or seeking to, to be married, you need to know what type of woman to look for. And for you girl dads like me, you need to know how to raise your daughter well. What does success look like for her? So I invite you, lean in this morning to this text. Let's see what God has to say about preparing to be a good Help me. Now, last week, Rance opened up with Genesis 2. We got to look at Adam in the garden 
And there, there are some things about Adam that are pretty clear from the Genesis record. For example, we know Adam's role, right? God was very clear that he was to tend this garden. He was to, to take care of what the Lord had entrusted to him. Adam, we see, had a clear relationship with God before Eve ever came into the picture. They would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam had a place to live, right? God placed him in the garden. But then we get to Eve. And the reality is we don't know a whole lot about Eve before Adam. I mean, what, what, was, what was her personality like? What, what, how did she interpret the world when she was first created? We don't have that. Instead, we have her with Adam. And yet there are several things that we do know. And so we're going to walk through these before we get to our text in 1 Peter this morning because this really lays the foundation for us and our understanding of what it means to be a good helpmate. So the first thing that we know about Eve is her role. We know that she was given the role of helpmate. And we get this from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where we read, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, throughout today's text, we'll see how incredible this role of helpmate really is. But for now, what I hope my daughter will understand one day, and what I hope you understand as well, is that this idea of a helpmate, a helper, does not in any way imply a lesser person. It doesn't in any way imply that, oh, you know, Eve's just the sidekick. She's like, you know, the, the throw-in. He needs a little bit of help. Uh, that's not the idea with this word. Sometimes we make that the idea. But what's fascinating about this word that we get helper from, the Hebrew word, throughout the Old Testament, God actually uses this same Hebrew word to describe how he helps people as well. And so this, this position as helpmate, this is not some lesser role. This is actually hugely significant. God sees this role as helpmate, and he sees just how important this is in our world today. This has been a God-ordained role. So if we're clear on that, we can then go to the next observation. We know how Eve was created. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 tells us that the rib from Adam, he puts Adam to sleep, he grabs the rib, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So we know Eve was created from Adam. But what's interesting is Adam was not her first relationship. She wasn't created and immediately paired with Adam. I had always read that into this text. Instead, she was created and immediately was with God. She knew God before she ever knew Adam. And as Rance mentioned last week, we don't know how long those two were together. We don't know how long this initial relationship with the Lord lasted before God gave her to Adam. But it's worth noting that God didn't create Eve and then just leave her on her way to find Adam. You see what the text says? He brought her to Adam. And so we can just stop right here already in the sermon and say, ladies, if you are in singleness, if you are wanting to date, looking for, you know, Mr. Right or, or whatever, what we can see from God is this principle that if you cultivate the heart of a good helpmate in yourself by focusing on your relationship with the Lord first, primarily loving Him, you can trust the Lord to guide you into whatever season 
He knows is best for you. God brought Eve to Adam. She didn't have to go hunting him down. So we know these two things are true of Eve. We also know the purpose of Eve. Now, we've already talked about her role. Her role is to be Adam's helpmate. But help for what? What is the overall purpose of this helpmate? And this we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. After he has made both male and female, both Adam and Eve are there. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What was the purpose of Eve, and Adam for that matter? To fill the earth and subdue it. To bring this new earth that God had made under the rule of the kingdom of heaven. Our creation, the the whole history of man has always been a story about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Whether it's in the Garden of Eden and expanding outward or after man has fallen, it's still the same mission. So Eve was created as as a helper for Adam, but for the purpose of bringing kingdom. And so what we can say is that helpmates are meant to partner with husbands to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You see, Adam was given a special role to advance the kingdom of heaven, to nurture it, to cultivate it on earth. Such an awesome job required help. That's the purpose of Eve. That's the purpose of a helpmate. When God created Eve as Adam's helpmate, he didn't intend for Eve to be a tool for Adam to use in the advancement of the kingdom of man. She is a daughter of the king, meant to help fulfill the king's purposes on earth. Such a special role demands a specially prepared heart in a helpmate. And so with that understanding, we, we can now turn our attention to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. This is where we're going to be the rest of today. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like or, or in your Bibles, but I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Starting in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 3. God says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning rejoicing over the wisdom that you have given us And what it looks like to live kingdom-centered lives within our homes. God, we thank you that you have not kept this vague, that you have given us very practical instruction. Practical guidelines for how men should behave within the home. What their roles look like. Practical guidelines for how women and, and their role as helpmates 
is to look like. And Father, I pray that as we study your word, Lord, we recognize this is extremely countercultural. But God, we pray that you would just reveal your love and your care and your wisdom through this instruction. Open our eyes, open our minds to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So we read this text in 1 Peter 3, and man, for me, the, the first thing that jumps out is, wow, there's a lot here. Right? There is so much packed into these verses, especially in our time today, that, that should be addressed. And yet we recognize that that would take like several sermons to get through. We also have a whole sermon dedicated to wisdom for marriage. It's, it's coming, it's on the way in this series. So today, we are going to look at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, and we're just going to focus on what this text reveals about the heart of a woman who is prepared to be a good helpmate. You see, the role given to Eve and to all wives after her is a big one. So our question today is, what does it look like to be that good helpmate? And right off the bat, we're going to go out of order here before we come back around, because it's important to start off today by understanding that a good helpmate is very precious to God. I emphasize good here because last week Rance brought out Proverbs 18.22, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's generally true, but I think, you know, the reality of marriages, sometimes we recognize marriages are, are created and it's not a good marriage, right? If we have a broken person meeting with a broken person in selfishness and they get married and then they just expect the other person to meet their needs all the time, that's not a very good marriage. And so he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. When we have women in the church that are dedicated to following God and what it looks like to be a good helpmate, man, that is very precious in the sight of God. And so how do you become that good helpmate? I want to caution us. Once again, the world often devalues and overlooks the ideals that we're going to talk about today. They often accuse the church and our God of being misogynistic, saying that this is holding women back. But God makes it clear through this text and throughout his word that when women choose to live in submission to him and to what his word says, he sees them and they are dear to his heart. Throughout this letter, Peter was seeking to change his reader's understanding of what precious really is. And so we don't see that when we look at just six verses. But from the beginning of 1 Peter 1, we see Peter use this word precious time and again. And what he's doing throughout this letter is he's trying to get his audience to change their definition of what things are valuable, what, what things are precious. So they would, you know, think what we think, right? Like gold, jewels, uh, some monetary worth, that's what's precious. And time and again, Peter instead calls spiritual things precious. And so we, we get things, he actually says this six different times. In the New King James, you'll see the word precious six different times throughout 1 Peter. Now, I know your version, it might say something like it's, it's great worth, but the meaning is the same. So of these six times that Peter uses the word precious throughout his letter, only one time is it translated with this extra adjective of very precious. It's in verse 4. And so I want you to see this 
this uh, diagram here. We, we get, here's the things in 1 Peter that are precious. Your faith. It's precious to God. The blood of Christ, that is precious. Christ, who is our living stone, man, that is a precious thing. He is precious. Christ, our cornerstone, is precious. And once again, Christ is precious. And then we get chapter 3. The one thing that he lists as very precious to God is a wife's gentle and quiet spirit. You look at that list and you just ask yourself, you know, if, if I had these six things laid out, which one would I describe as very precious? And yet, which one does God choose as, no, 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 this one gets even extra honor here in these verses. This one is very precious. Not just to a husband, right? It's not just that the husband benefits from a wife that, that has the, these character traits. This wife, this helpmate, is very precious to God, her father. He holds a woman like this near to himself because they are of great value to him. Ladies, this is the type of helpmate that God finds very precious. And it's the type of helpmate that God is urging you to become. Peter is telling us in these six verses that every wife can become this type of good helpmate. For you married women, take note and take the word of, let the word of God shape you and bless your marriage. For you ladies that are single or are dating, let this wisdom instruct you now in how to live, how to cultivate the heart of a good helpmate. When you do that, God is able to bless your marriage, in way, your marriage in ways that you can't imagine. And so the first thing we can say about a, a good helpmate from these verses is that a good helpmate submits to her husband. A good helpmate submits to her husband. We see this in verses 1 and 2 where we get this instruction, Wives, likewise, be submissive. To your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, I know submission is not a very popular word in our culture. When, when somebody submits, that's viewed as weakness, especially in comparison to the person that they are submitting to. It's that, that person submitting is often seen as inferior. But the call to submit within the church is actually universal. See, the, the, the word of God instructs us to submit to our government, to submit to our brothers and sisters around us. Husbands are called to submit to Christ as the head of the family. And for wives, the first point of submission is found within the home to the husband. So what does it look like to submit? If we could just define this word, just a, a general definition of submission, it is the act of yielding your will to someone in authority over you. So wives, what this looks like is you yield your will for the family, how you think the house should be run, how you think the kids should be disciplined, how you think the money should be allocated. And it's not just that you do this grudging, like, oh my gosh, like I know what First Peter says now. Now, the idea is that you do this willfully, joyfully, as an act of worship to God through submitting to your husband. But let me make this important clarification here that submission never, never means abuse. Your husband should never lay his hand on you in anger. He should never verbally abuse you. And for those ladies out there that are dating, 
If your boyfriend ever hits you, let's just clear this up, he's not the one. God calls wives to submit to their husbands, to yield to husband's leadership, and it's intended to be a lifelong role. So if you aren't married yet, choose wisely. Let the Lord lead you in this, like he brought Eve to Adam. Well, we also know from Scripture that submission is not conditional. Maybe you feel like your husband hasn't held up to his end of the bargain. Maybe your husband hasn't been leading the way that you think he should. Maybe he's made some boneheaded decisions. Sarah says amen. Uh, maybe, maybe your husband isn't even a believer. Does that negate your call to submit? The word of God is clear once again. No, it doesn't. You see, God desires the wife to submit even to an unbelieving husband in the hopes from verses one and two here that by your conduct you could win your husband to Christ. Not by the words of your mouth, but by the conduct of your character, the conduct of your actions, that, that they would see something is different in you and it would draw them closer to Christ because of it. Through your holy life, lived in fear of the Lord, your husband may be drawn to Jesus. There's another caveat to submission that I, I think we should go to briefly. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul also writes of the need for wives to submit to their husbands. And he adds this important detail. In Ephesians 5 verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. You see, good helpmates recognize that to submit to their husband is really to submit to God. And because they choose to follow God and his word, they can now submit to the man that God has, has for them as their husband. In this way, your act of submission to your husband is actually an act of worship to your God. And in as much as you can follow Christ and submit to your husband, your call is to submit regardless of how much you feel your husband deserves it or doesn't deserve your submission. But before you're ready to submit to a man, you must practice submission to God before the man ever comes into the picture. Singleness is an opportunity to learn submission to God. So use it wisely if that's the season that you're in. When you get that first relationship right, when you and God are good, then you are able to trust your good, good father enough to submit to your husband as well. And that brings us to our next point, that a good helpmate makes the heart beautiful. The, that inner person, they are focused on making the inner person beautiful before God. We get this again in, in verses three and four. You guys are gonna have this memorized before we're done today. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Do you see how God's instruction elevates women in a way that our society and our culture never could? You see, God says that you as a woman have more value than in how you look, than in what you wear, than your status, than, than whatever your appearance is. God says real beauty is found not in appearances, not in cosmetics and jewelry, but rather on the inside, in the heart. You see, true beauty is found in a heart that loves God and seeks 
to give him glory by obeying his instruction. And you think about that, we all give glory to something or to someone. So ladies, what or who do you glorify by the clothes that you wear? See, God is pleading with you never to buy the lie that beauty is found in what we just see with our eyes. A woman's true beauty is that gentle and quiet spirit. A wife who is meek. That's the idea with this gentleness. It's meekness. She trusts God with her life. And therefore, she can submit to who the Lord instructs her to. She can just obey the Lord without fear of what can happen because she is fully relying on her father. And then we get this quiet spirit. And and the idea here is that she doesn't gossip. She doesn't lower herself into drama that's all around. Rather, she chooses to rest in the peace that God has given her, the peace that's a birthright of a child of God, and she invites others to that rest as well. This beauty, unlike physical beauty that's always fleeting, this beauty is incorruptible. It never goes away as long as that good helpmate focuses on staying in right relationship with God. A woman with that kind of beauty in the eyes of God, her maker, man, he says that is a very very precious person to me. Lastly, a good helpmate remembers the examples of precious wives. They look back to history. They see these women of old who have lived lives of devotion to God and submission to their husbands because of their love for God. And they remember that and it spurs them on to do the same. We see this in verses five and six. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. I realize we read verses 5 and 6, and there may be like one part of this that you saw, and that's the only part that you see. Let me just say, I've preached 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6 twice now. Sarah still has not started calling me Lord Ethan. I don't know what gives. Now, we read that, understand that that's not what it's saying. Right? You don't need to go home and address your husband as Lord today. But here's the idea. Here's what, here's what God's after here. You look at Sarah, Abraham's wife Sarah, and you see that she followed the leadership of her husband even after Abraham had made some serious blunders, and he did. She still honored and respected him with the way that she lived her life and with the words that came out of her mouth. And here's the thing. She could have responded to such a calling of submitting to Abraham with fear. Fear of what submission would mean to her. Fear of what Abraham would do. Where and how he would lead her. But instead, she chose to trust the Lord. And when Abraham did make those boneheaded decisions, here's the beautiful thing about the Lord. He always protected Sarah. We don't have time this morning to look at it, but you could just make a note. Go check out Genesis 20, the first few verses there. Abraham makes a boneheaded decision, puts Sarah in a really dangerous spot, and God steps in. See, the Lord protects those who are very precious in his sight. So we have the example of Sarah. We also have uh, Ruth. Right? You think about the character of Ruth. In the first couple chapters of that book, you see that Ruth is a very precious woman in the sight of God based on how she has chosen to live her life. And we see God brings her 
from tragedy, from being uh, an alien, from being uh, poor, and he brings her to Boaz, this man that he has prepared for such a time like that. That also brings me to Esther. Esther, who marries a pagan king. Esther, who is this close to death when one of the king's advisors has him buy into this plan to kill all the Jews. And yet Esther chooses to trust the Lord, to trust that perhaps she was made for such a time as this and to lean into what God has to say. And she chose boldness with the king and God used her. He protected her. And through her, he saved the entire Jewish nation. Then we get Mary, the mother of Jesus. You think about the situation that Gabriel put her in when he said that you're about to have a baby as a single woman in that culture. That was not a fun place to be. And yet Mary responded with joy and with faith in God that he would provide. And when Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, he's ready to call off the marriage, right? And it would have been very disgraceful in the eyes of that community. And instead, God steps in and he sends an angel to Joseph in a dream and says, she's done nothing wrong. Continue with this marriage. Man, and then we we get verse 7 of 1 Peter 3 that we've not looked at today. But in verse 7, God says, husbands, if you don't dwell with your wives in understanding, if you don't love them the way that I love my daughter, I'm not even going to listen to your prayers. He doesn't care what we as husbands have to say if we don't treat his daughter the way she should be treated. And I hope my daughter sees these examples, sees how the Lord protects those who are very precious to him and that she can trust in the character of her good, good father. You see, you get the blessing of Sarah with the sacrifice of obedience that Sarah showed. The blessing that Sarah received was this abundant life, this life that that was honored by God, a life that left a mark that is still felt today, thousands of years later. A life that brought the kingdom of heaven into the world more than it was before Sarah came into the picture. The blessing of Sarah is available to all wives who will choose with her to honor their husbands in holy obedience to God to become that good helpmate that the Lord desires. You see, when God made Adam he gave him a special task to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth through exercising dominion over all the earth. Adam needed a partner for such a role, for this kingdom-bringing mission. Today, you ladies are invited to follow the Lord to become a good helpmate so that you can partner with God to bring the kingdom of heaven into your marriages, your families, your homes, and leave an impact that will last generations. We as a church can see children raised to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can see generational curses that are broken. We can see family blessings that last generations from now. All because helpmates chose to follow the Lord, submit to him by submitting to their husbands, prioritizing the inner person over their physical appearance alone, and by holding the memory of kingdom women who have come before them. My prayer is that my daughter will see that vision and that she, of heaven coming to earth, into her home, by her choice to be a good helpmate, and that she will go after that with everything she's got. I hope the same is true for you, for your families, for your children, 
And that this can be a model that lasts generations down the line. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the love that you've showed us through your son. The love that you show us in in allowing us even to partner with you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. God, I pray that we won't just interact with heaven as this place that we go when we die and now we're just stuck in in earth and we just have to make it. God, I pray that you would allow us to see through godly wisdom how the kingdom of heaven is here right now, available for us to live in in our homes today. God, I pray that you would help us to lean into the roles that you have given us, that in obedience to you, that all of us would submit to how you have designed the family and that we would experience abundant life through that submission and trust in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.